What is good, everyone? Welcome back to the Exhaust Nodes Formula One podcast. My name's Nick. I'm with my guys, Todd and Rowett, to talk about a little bit of a hmm, American drama story, but not really because, you know, Max just keeps winning. So I don't know. That's what we we love winners in America. And as people can tell in the last eight episodes, like it's been really nice to chronicle his journey to his third championship. <laughs> And begrudgingly, like, it sucks. Like, yeah, you want to see a more competitive sport. But you know what? Sometimes dominance is cool. And if America loves nothing else, it's a winner. So kudos to you, Maximilian. Todd, how are you feeling about all this? Oh, just over the moon. You know, <laughs> you, you know I love me some Red Bull and some Max. So I'm going to cheers to you, Maximilian, which is his real name. Is it really? Excited. To, yeah, Maximilian. All right. Sorry, let me look up his middle name because it's, it's probably Joss. I think Bertha Max Verstappen. Full name. This so, is well, riveting. Todd is looking up the Verstappen family tree. Uh, what did we make of that USGP results? Because the aforementioned Max was the only thing that seemed to hold his position. Because as we're going to uh, dive into in this particular episode, what we thought was the podium dissipated like all of America's goodwill and global industry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, Todd and I go, both got to be excited that that Lando Lando came out of the gate strong and had a good run to start the race. Most 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 place, most laps in first place for Lando, right? So, I mean, McLaren's been like actually doing consistently better. Like they're inching their way up, and I have to be optimistic towards that because I feel like a lot of times we just want the win, but like if you're really building and building and building and You've got two cars that are actually most of the time competitive at this point. I I can't really ask for anything more for from a team perspective, right? Like they they as a duo now are probably more competitive than any other duo on the grid. And I would have never thought I'd be saying that at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think from the start of this year when they were driving just like a tractor might as well have been to being like, like you just said, Nick, uh, one of the most competitive duos on the grid. Like think about who else is in that from a team perspective. I I don't know if I would put Ferrari there because they bought strategy and eat tires. Mercedes is there sometimes, but it seems like it's always one driver's hot, one driver's cold, depending on the track. Uh, Aston's out the window. Checo hasn't been good since the summer break. So really, if you're looking at duos, there's not not really many. There's still, a, I don't know, at least a couple of tenths off the true pace of the Red Bull. So I don't know if they're fighting for wins yet, but the right track, you know, could happen. No, I mean, I think I'll try this back to the point we made earlier, which is around Max's third championship. How I'm going to remember this particular title run for Max is the fact that he had different challengers in the season and he was the one remaining constant. Because like Todd kind of alluded to, at the start of the season, all we were talking about was the resurgence of Fernando Alonso. And then after that, we had hints of a Ferrari, I wouldn't want to say resurgence, but they were making it known that, hey, we've got something to say. And then it almost seemed like they were in a seesaw battle with Mercedes because it would to Todd's point, be hot and cold. One time you would see one team head and shoulders above everybody else, not named Red Bull. And then the other time it would be the other team. 
And now this is a resurgence as far as I'm concerned, because whether you want to call it a tractor, whether you want to call it a Prius, whether you want to call it a bicycle, that McLaren was dog shit at the start of the season. And now, like, I would think that if there's one person that's not Max Verstappen that's going to win a race this year, it'll be Lando because he's really figured that car out. And he's almost doing his max impression because it seems like he can truly get the most out of that car in a way that no other driver on the grid could if they had to do it. Hey, I, I, I think that was one of my predictions. So I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to see Lando win whenever it happens. So, quick sidebar here. I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I don't want to be too, uh, off topic, but we didn't mention in the pre episode conversation, Danny Rick's facial hair for the, for the U S grand prix. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts. I'll defer to senior Ricardo expert, Todd Yates. I don't think the handlebars suit him. I mean, I know he like yucks it up all the time for, for the, uh, U.S. Grand Prix, or sorry, now we have multiple, uh, the Circuit of the Americas race. I um, am completely distracted by Rohit's special guest, who's adorable, and I don't want to talk about Danny Ricardo because, you, you know. Should. In fact, where's Coco? Coco is currently Generation. sleeping. I'm baby monitor duty right here. Um, anyway, I... Uh, what were we talking about? Danny, Danny Rick's facial hair. I feel like when he, the more he yucks it up at in Austin, the worse he does. And I don't think he had a particularly bad race. He wasn't great. I guess he picked up some damage from Sir Lancelot um, about halfway through the race or something. So he just dropped out out of the field. But you know, I'm not feeling it. I like when he does the like let's embrace Texas thing and yeah. his helmet was super cool this weekend, but I don't know. So less is more. Every season that he goes back to Texas, I feel like he's one step closer to being out of F1 and into a NASCAR, which would break my heart. But we'll just have to perfect turning left, you know? <laughs> no, I think <laughs> he can do that. With Danny Rick here, the issue to me is he is trying his damnedest to be at all. He wants to be that ambassador, that Formula One desperately needs to continue this interest at least from a north american perspective but i do think it's impacting his ability as a race car driver and now this is something we'll touch on later on in the episode as well if certain rumors are to be believed i think he's almost going to be the newest best example of the peter principle because if certain things are going to happen at the upcoming mexican grand prix with regards to a possible driver announcing a possible retirement say possible one more time road and i'll take a shot uh Who's to say he doesn't get that second Red Bull seat? But I'm stepping on the toes of an upcoming segment, and I'll just leave it at that. I want to call back to Max's middle name quickly. It's his. I, I thought his first name was Max Maximilian, but his middle name is actually just Amelian. So it's Max Space Amelian Space. That's for completely random. And also something that I learned today that's completely random is that the word orange <laughs> used to be pronounced with no orange. So like with an N on the front. And then we eventually just turned it to, so we could say a no orange. Now we say an orange. So equally as baffling is a choice to name your kid a million. Honestly, like 
You know, we should actually pause. We should actually pause and give Josh Verstappen a little round of applause. It all comes full circle. Because we know that he really just wanted to name his kid Joss Verstappen. Like no junior, just like you or me, like the, the arrogance that just resonates from him. So, you know, it probably took a lot to just be like Max, a million, right? Joss Verstappen is the gift that keeps on giving spousal abuse. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> okay. Yes. I mean, speaking of Verstappen, though, like I have to, you know, I have to think that like the rest of the grid is probably equally as frustrated. Like, look, the guy is driving like incredible. He deserves to win the championship. Red Bull deserves the title. Like they've already wrapped it up. Right. Like I have no uh, like I I'm not I am a Max hater, but I do think that they've just dominated and like, you know, the rest of the field's got to figure it out. But it's got to be annoying as another driver on the grid to every week hear Max say something completely irrelevant about like tires or strategy or pace. And then him just saying, yeah, it was maybe like this week was or this race was yeah, it was a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be to win. You know, like <laughs> as if like there's no real chance for anybody anyway. He's just out there like mailing it in and casually, you know. Kicking everyone's ass, basically. He had some uh, apparently a legitimate like brake issue, which is what he was screaming at a, about on the radio the whole race. Um, yeah. So I hate to give the man his flowers, but it makes it even more impressive that he still started in what was it sixth? I can't remember. Lower yeah. half of the grid, yeah, sixth. or lower lower half of the top ten, um, and still won the race. By what? At least a couple seconds, I think. No. He- yeah, I think he was like one point something off of Lewis was like one point something off, maybe two point something off, and then Lando was like another. Well, I mean, according that. yeah, but like managing an issue is just he has like pace in hand. It's insane. I mean, at this point, it's yeah. Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby, or more specifically Jean Girard. He's supping, uh, sipping a cup of tea. He's probably doing the New York Times crossword puzzle because he's that bored at dominating. Like, I don't know what else we can say other than, yes, you have your flowers. You have the one in a million literal name, you goofball Joss. Like, what else is there to do? Like, I get the whole need as a competitor to continue to finish the season out but if i'm being ornery and i'm thinking from a self-preservation perspective you shouldn't even want to race for the rest of the season just protect the investment max yeah that's an interesting conversation i don't i i mean obviously these guys we've talked about it right these guys are so competitive and so arrogant and they have to be to compete at that level but it is kind of interesting to like are there any benefits for red bull to continue to push potentially have any issues, you know, like it would be, it would be like so terrible if something happened or if, you know, like, I don't know, like you just don't want them to, there's no reason for them to be forcing it. It's like, and maybe this is counter intuitive to the way I actually think, because if you listen to the sneaker history podcast with Rowan and I, I'll probably complain when LeBron takes his days off later in the season. But like, it's, it's like wild to think that they're risking that much money and like pushing it to that extent. And, you know, I also think that they probably dramatize it a little bit for, you know, entertainment's sake, 
and they probably didn't have, you know, I take that back. Max was clearly pissed off the entire, the entire race. So like, you know, yelling at his. But when is he not though, Nick? Like it's one of those things where to the points that we've made all season, it's just, he's always been miles ahead of almost everybody except for one race, I think. And it doesn't matter. He's always going to yell. He's always going to have an outburst. Now, thankfully, he's not the second coming of Lance Stroll, where he pushes a poor innocent man into a wall, and we've never seen that person since. So, Daddy Stroll living up to his more than nefarious reputation. But what what else is there to do? And the other reason why I would suggest this is there is a little bit, which is kind of absurd to say as I say this out loud, there is a little bit of musical chair still kind of going on with this Red Bull team because we have this Checo thing that's looming. He has not lived up to standards, so to speak. I mean, look at it this way. When this season is done, and if we're the board of Red Bull and we're contemplating voiding Checo's contract, are we going to care that he got second place in this particular – or he didn't get second place. Did he get second place? He got fourth place in this particular race because both Charles and Lewis had lost out. So – I don't even know how you can evaluate him other than just the fact that he's not living up to standard because I think any other driver would be giving Max more of a competition in that other car, despite the fact that the deck is so heavily stacked in Max's favor. I mean, I'm curious to hear what you think, Todd, about this, because although like, yes, Checo has not lived up to Max, he's still second place in the driver championship, right? He's the only driver outside of that one Singapore race that Carlos Sainz won in the Ferrari. Like, I know it's been a while since Checo actually was competitive with Max. Cause he's, you can, you can feel that he's just pushing it too hard beyond, you know, because he's so frustrated, but like, it's, it's like blows my mind to think that you're going to remove a driver because he finished second to Max this season. <laughs> like like well, every think, driver on the grid will finish second to max this season, no matter what car you put them in. Yeah. Yeah. I agree that there's nobody touching max. You put right. them all in the same machinery. Max still wins the championship. But the thing that I think that they're, they want to get past is um, if they weren't so far out with their car it's, itself, right? If they weren't so are so far out in front <clears throat> the other teams say some other teams got it also right or as right as they did in in terms of car design they wouldn't necessarily be winning the championship with just max's points alone which he did this season <laughs> like he locked up the constructors just himself which is insane um so if you have mercedes with lewis and george in an equally or close to as fast car, you're not going to win the constructors with a, a Checo behind Max there, especially if he's piddling around in seventh, eighth, ninth in a car that should be, you know, at very least two tenths faster than everyone else. So th I think they're looking out for the future. Now that we're on the topic of Checo, we might as well talk about that said rumor is that he's supposedly this is came from some random, you know, basement dweller on Reddit that uh, Checo is going to be announcing his retirement at the Mexico GP this weekend, which I have trouble believing. But I also kind of hope it's true because of the fact that I could actually see 
Red Bull kicking Checo to the side in terms of Danny, which I think is the wrong move. Like in terms of competitiveness, I don't know if Danny Rick is even as good as Checo is now, which pains me to say, but like he hasn't been stellar in his comeback yet. I know it's been short lived, especially after the, the crash and breaking his hand. But I would say at best, he's at Checo's level. Maybe slightly better. Um, so if they do decide to kick Checo to the side for a new driver, I'd really hope they give it to like Yuki or Liam Lawson. And I hope that if this retirement thing is true, that it's Checo deciding that he's actually done racing and not giving Red Bull the satisfaction to kick him to the curb. Yeah, I, I painstakingly agree. Like, it sucks to think that Danny is past being competitive. But at the same time, like, I can't not think about, look, he already had the chance to run at Red Bull and he didn't, you know, like he, he, he couldn't handle it, whether that's emotionally or mentally or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like that led him to his little string of, you know, Renault McLaren, I need to take a break from all of this kind of approach to things. And like, you know, nothing against that. I'd rather see him take time away and be healthy and fun and, and like living up to like the personality we all know and love him for. But at the same time, it seems weird that you would as a team want to revisit a situation that didn't work for you previously, knowing that one of the drivers is exponentially better than they were five years ago. And the other is, you know, maybe, maybe, couple steps behind the pace that they would have been five years ago it, it it's just odd to me but i guess if the strategy is like max is the golden child don't put anyone near him that's going to be competitive then you know check has got to go but but i mean nick if i can disagree with you in a friendly manner here who could they in theory if they had a golden ticket to get any person living breathing on the grid off the grid who is going to push Max Verstappen? Because I don't think anybody could, even if we wanted to. The thing that strikes me really peculiar about the possible Ricardo resurgence, that's my word of the day, apparently, for this episode, is the only reason I could see them doing it is to strengthen the case that Max is truly a one-person team. Because I don't know if I could see Danny Rick so far removed from a Red Bull winning two podiums, which is what I believe Checo has won this year. Like, do you guys see if this scenario plays out that Danny Rick is a race winner in that Red Bull car? Because I don't see it. I mean, if if so, to answer your question, this is not how I normally think. But thinking as a ruthless team principal, team owner of Formula One team, if I have Max Verstappen, I go and pay for Leclerc or Sainz or Lando or somebody that is competitive. So I know that no other team has that capability. Right. Like Danny Rick is not going to put any other team on the podium anytime soon, unless that team itself like seriously levels up like Danny Rick and a McLaren is not on the podium this season. I don't think that too many people would argue against that. So in thinking in that way, you've got to go for somebody like Mm -hmm. it sucks, but you're going to go take away some, some younger, more aggressive drivers chances to do damage against your team. It's preventative maintenance by signing somebody besides Danny Ricardo. The the me the deep can, the deep marketing person in me 
loves the idea of Danny Rick and Red Bull. Like this is a this is just like Danny Rick's personality has like blown up over the last five years. Red Bull has tons of money to throw at everything. He could absolutely have just an amazing few years of fun and just do ridiculous stuff with that group that would make everyone <clears throat> Red Bull fans. I, I can see a couple things, right? If he goes back to Red Bull in this, what perfect way to christen the new season of Drive to Survive? They can market it as, hey, this is our last season, so let's all go to where it all started, which was Ricardo at Red Bull. The other thing I worry about is, let's say I'm completely contradicting what I said earlier. If this happens and Danny Rick wins a race or two or three, doesn't that also take away some of the allure of Max Verstappen because of the fact that it truly seems to be that the car is the winner and not necessarily Max on some level? I would think so. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's, is that important? Uh, like, I'm curious what you guys think. No, and that's the thing. Once again, I'm the newbie of this group. So I'm going to ask these questions because I'm just not steeped in the tradition the same way you and Todd are. So Todd, like, if I gave you that scenario, are you thinking less of Max Verstappen because you took a, let's say, past his prime Danny Rick in a Red Bull car and he somehow got that to a first place? Does that dilute any of Max's dominance? Or is that just, you're so happy that Ricardo has gotten a position where he rightfully belongs, uh, belongs, which is on the top of the board. I, I mean, I would counter your question, question with a question. Is Max still winning the other 23 races of the season? Because that's what's going to make me probably, you know, judge Max's talent. Like between like the track, the tires, the weather, the, the all the setup work and and just like the driver themselves on that particular weekend i think every dog can have his day as we saw with denny rick in the mclaren in what was it monza 2021 22 whenever that was mm-hmm. um i think everybody could have th- their their day uh to 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 win a race except for nico hulkenberg uh, yeah Poor, poor guy. Uh, <clears throat> but I think if if they put Danny Rick in the team for the marketing aspect, totally makes sense. And I think even we might see a better version of Danny Rick if he was in the Red Bull because it has the characteristics still. Like the cars have their own like DNAs, right? He did not jive with the McLaren. We know that. We know he's not a, a bad driver. Has he lost like a tenth or two? Maybe. Um, but I think if he gets put back in a car that he's comfortable in, in, in the Red Bull, he'd probably be doing better than he is now. He's still not to, you know, he's, I think he's doing okay. He's on pace with Yuki in the Alpha Tauri, but I think kind of going back to your original point, Ro, I agree with you. I'd much rather see them give a young drive, a young hungry driver a shot even if it is like a flop like Nick DeVries or whatever, um, because they have kind of the out that Max is still going to be, as, assuming the car's there, Max is still going to be fighting for a race win every race and potentially winning the drivers and the constructors' championships on his own. So one last thing, and then I'll stop talking about this topic. Like we're talking about all these potential drivers that Red Bull could or could not do in this hypothetical situation. The thing that's still intriguing to me is a driver that's currently on the grid that Red Bull once deemed surplus to their requirements, which is one Alex Albon, because I think he's done as impressive of a job this year as any non-top four, top five team driver has. 
why not go back in for him? And I know Gunther, or not Gunther Steiner, although that would be hilarious. I know Todd's favorite German or Bavarian helmet Marco said it was not the right time for Alex Albon to be in Red Bull. And it's probably not the right time to pick him up in the next one or two years. But to me, he seems like the best of the rest. And I think he's proven time and time again that with that Williams car, which I would say is a top uh, bottom two car, he's gotten more magic out of that car. Track limits be ignored much the way Alex Albon does. Like he's fantastic. Why not go back? I, I think that's a great point. I mean, he has 25 points for Williams, which is kind of absurd considering like, I don't think that car is. I thought, that's 75 points. Every Williams point <laughs> yeah. counts as three. I mean, I do want to go back to the, the, the Red Bull team, right? The, the big elephant in the room is that Red Bull. Well, what was the, I think it was a 3.3 second pit stop for max. I mean, should they even be in formula one anymore with those kind of like, lethargic times in the pit like just kidding guys just kidding <laughs> the, <laughs> i'm slow to react much like Red Bull. <laughs> i feel like they're so pissed that they lost the world record at the, at the pit stop yeah um, seriously by a t- tenth of a second and they're just they're off their game they're shaking a little bit yeah no i i i going back to the album thing i don't think Albon would succeed in that environment. Now, new age Red Bull very much has like the, the 2000s Ferrari chamber of fear about them now. Like that was when, um, from like, when did Schumacher join Ferrari? 98, 99, something like that. Like 06, that era until like 2006, whatever. That that Ferrari was known as like the chamber of fear, and it was like, don't misspeak, don't misstep, don't screw up your job, or you're done. We'll kill your families, kind of thing. It was insane. Um, and I think Albon is flourishing in Williams because it's like, hey, we know we're shit. Go out there and do your best, kid. And he's just having fun with it. I, if he got back into a Red Bull type situation, I think he would crumble just as fast or faster than Checo has. Like you have to be a pretty strong willed, ridiculous middle named type of person to, to like succeed in that. Like Max is a robot. Like we, we talked about like, w- you know, w- why isn't he just like walk away? Cause it's, it's boring to him now. That's all he does. That's all he knows. He goes home and races sim racing on the weekends for fun and still gets just as pissed at that. Like he participated recently within the last couple of months on like the 24 hours of somewhere. Oops, shut up, Siri. Um, uh, <laughs> it's 24 hours of like Sebring. Todd Clancy. Yeah, Siri's interrupting me. He, he participated in some 24 hour sim race and like literally went on social media and complained about it because like the servers kept crashing and disconnecting him. And while he was in the lead of this, make-believe race online and i know like people take series like sim racing super seriously i'm a nerd i have a full rig sitting right next to me as i talk about this uh but it's you're also paid tens of millions of dollars to drive a real race car around real tracks and actually risk your life like so you can't take racing out of his life there's just if if formula one ceased to exist he'd still go home and race on his computer that's my point 
I don't know. I, I, I just come back to like, Checo is not like Checo is not dismissed. If he's driving for any other team on the grid. And it's weird that he's dismissed so quickly with Red Bull. I mean, I know he has, you know, I don't know, let's say five or six, like lower. I mean, not even lower, right? Like he's had maybe four or five races where he finished, you know, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. And then he had a couple of like just terrible races where he was like out of the top 10. But I feel like he's, even though he's been pretty shit the last half of the year, he still usually ends up third or fourth because the car is so good. And I don't think that, I don't think he would be like crazy uncompetitive if he was in a McLaren or if he's maybe style of driving, you know, like he'd have to have a car that like works with him, but like, you know, like, I don't know what, like, what do we expect a second? What do we expect a second seated driver at Red Bull to actually do in terms of, you know, points again with Max on the other, in the other seat at the team? I just, I don't know. No, not much. And I mean, the other thing is, if we are digging the grave, so to speak, for Checo's Red Bull career, I really hope that, to me, one thing we always knew about Checo is his ability to manage tires. And it doesn't matter if you're a Williams, it doesn't matter if you're a Red Bull. Like, that's something that's going to translate well. That's why I'm in agreement with you, Nick, of if he is no longer going to be a part of this Red Bull setup for however long, if I'm another team, I'm trying to get him out of retirement. Because if nothing else, like, he would be the perfect second banana for the likes of somebody like Aston Martin, if they ever got rid of this nepotism thing hanging over them, because he would thrive in that situation. Yes. He's going back to force India in a sense, but I think that's where he's best suited because the less you take him for granted, the better he is. And the one lasting image I have of Checo pre Red Bull was that epic race he had where he literally went from 20th to first. And that's according to Netflix's drive to survive, what got him that Red Bull seat. So that's who I have as Checo. And this is just a weird facsimile of a driver that is occasionally competitive, but he needs to be a little bit more than occasional in his competitiveness when he's in those navy and red and yellow colors. To me, it's like if you're if you're Red Bull, what do you want as your, your second driver? You want Valtteri Bottas 2019-2020. He was, what, P2? Almost like behind Hamilton, just behind Hamilton every single race and beating him on pole, you know, three, four times a year. Every now and then. <laughs> he always qualified well for the most part. He was always just behind Hamilton in the race. And granted, he had a couple of races in there where like he got, you know, something went wrong. He qualified like P13 and he couldn't really fight his way back through the field. He'd finish like P6, P7, whatever. He's never been like a great person fighting in traffic. But like for the most part, he was just behind Hamilton in the best car the whole season. And that's what Red Bull wants. They want a rear gunner to protect against if there was another car on the grid that had similar pace levels to Red Bull. So if I'm... Cut, but then I guess I go back. Sorry, I'll finish with this. If I'm the cutthroat like team principal, I'll, you know, try my damnedest to get a Lando as a rear gunner because he's going to perform like that, and I feel like he can take the Chamber of Fear style thing or get a George, or get uh, uh God, who else? Uh, Fernando Alonso as a rear gunner. He's maybe lost 
Finally lost a couple of tents at 44, whatever he is, but he takes no bullshit and he would absolutely put Max up for a fight. That's the ideal second place. And I don't know if Fernando would leave for Red Bull, but if I had my billion dollars and I had the ruthlessness that my two co-hosts have shown at this episode, I would say, Fernando, <laughs> I will buy one billion in Kimona hats, join my team, challenge Max. I mean, that would be pretty amazing. I don't... Like, if, if he does retire, who do we think takes that seat? And that's my point. I don't think the way you guys have so eloquently defined and described what a number two driver is, there's nobody on the grid in my mind that matches all those checkboxes. There are people that have some of those characteristics and capabilities, but nobody in particular has all of them in state. And most everyone is signed to a contract to like 2024 or beyond at this point, right? I can't think of anybody that's not. Yep. Everybody is signed through at least 2024. I think the only open seat was in Williams, ironically with Logan Sargent just having a rookie year deal. Yeah, I, I think the rumor mill is that because he stumbled his way into the points, he planked his way into the points uh, for the first time ever that he's going to sign with Williams again, which if I'm Williams, like he actually had a pretty good race. I will give him that for the first time in a while. But are you really going to sign him off of getting lucky into the points because two drivers got disqualified? I love I loved the, the images that were going around it was like the first American points, plural, scorer. Yeah. Uh, in 30 years. And it, <laughs> they couldn't put it grammatically correct. First American point scorer in 30 years. Uh, I just thought they were staying true to our concept of grasping grammar. <laughs> so I figured what better way to ingratiate yourself to the American watching public by making a grammatical <laughs> error. Okay, sorry, one last thing on, on Checo. I know we're probably over time here already, but if Lewis passes him in the championship but before the end of the season and finishes P2, is that the final nail in the coffin for Checo? It's got to be, right? Principle. It's got to be. He was so far ahead of everybody else in P2, and now he's 30, 39 points ahead of Lewis in P3. My wish for this whole conversation is that Checo wins Mexico and then announces his retirement. Like just give this man his flowers. That would be amazing. Top of the top of the pedestal. And like let Yeah, just let him celebrate for like the next ten years just based on that one race. Yep. I I just I hope in fact, I would. No, I was going to say, I hope Sergio wins and Checo's dad walks by Christian Horner with a sombrero on and a bottle of tequila and flips him off. Just, <laughs> just icing on the cake. Yes, and that's that's literally the last scene of uh, Drive to Survive's final season as well. <laughs> Drop the bottle of tequila. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for Drive to Survive two years from now where it's going to be that Red Bull will be the first and only one-person team in Formula One history because that's what this is all ending up to be. Did you see – Could be. I know we, we're over, but like, did you see that Yuki was basically suggesting that, that AlphaTauri deserves three drivers next season? Todd, I mean, Roy, you, you almost – you might be on onto something with your, your three, three, three drivers Why setup. Why not? <laughs> 
by the way, congrats to Mr. Mr. Sonoda getting the fastest lap. Yeah, that was amazing. Right? He won fastest. Yeah, he's here for another season. I think he's done enough to justify his spot. That, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I, if, I definitely agree. If Checo's out for whatever reason, retirement or Red Bull gives him the axe, give it to Yuki. I think he'll melt in yeah. like a Chamber of Fear style, like I've said. The only person I don't think that would do that is Liam Lawson. Lawson seems pretty ruthless himself. Like he, he seems like pretty nice and happy-go-lucky on the outside, but I feel like he is the... He's got a killer in him? Yeah, I, I I feel like he's there. If it, it, I don't know if he's got the talent for it, but I think his mindset is is right. Yuki gets too hyped up, but I mean Max bitches and moans with the fastest car too, so maybe they're blood brothers. I mean that would just be amazing because, yeah, honestly, like I I think that Yuki of all the drivers on the grid put in a better car could be. I don't think he could compete with Max on a regular basis yet, but isn't he still 22 or, or 21? Like he's super young, right? So like he's got, what is this third, his third year in formula one. He's got more experience than any other young driver that you're going to have in there. He's still fiery and feisty. He's probably going to cause the team to, you know, crash out a couple of times during the season. But like at the end of the year, you would have you would have somebody that could potentially give Max a, a decent run most of the time. Yuki Sonoda, twenty three, awesome. old old man that he is. Twenty three, yeah. <laughs> I think he'd still take another year in the Red Bull to like get up to speed because he seems to adjust slow. <clears throat> but when he when he's on, he's on, and it would be like for the lulls, for the memes. Could you imagine a pairing of Yuki and Max and how awkward that would be? Oh. I, not only that, I'm convinced that Yuki would result in Helmut Marco having an <laughs> earlier trip to the grave just because he would be so bothered <laughs> by what Yuki does. And if there's anything that could possibly truly cancel Dr. Helmut Marco is Yuki Sonoda as a Red Bull driver because... I know that man is going to let the racial slurs fly because of something he does. And that is a bridge too far, even for Dr. Helmut Marco to cross. Like, yeah, that would be amazing. I, I would agree. Um, so we're about at time. I, I want to ask, you know, cause I know Todd has, uh, has his heart set on this. Wanted to, uh, see if you saw the list of people showing up for the, uh, the, the kickoff of the, of the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Give us a roll call, Nick. Okay, so 20 participating F1 drivers will be in attendance. Iconic names in the music industry, Andre Day, Bishop Briggs, Jay Balvin, Journey, Keith Urban, Steve Aoki, Swedish House Mafia, 30 Seconds to Mars, Will I Am, plus appearances by Blue Man Group and Cirque du Soleil. That sounds like a very Vegas playlist, if I'm being honest with myself. A lot of techno and dubstep and stuff I don't understand, but name more power to you kids. Right. So, so my question is one, Todd, will you survive this? Or like, I feel like Todd's head might explode with Vegas. Like I could just, I could just see him on mute on his mic screaming. God damn it. Just race. Like, just let us see the race. Meanwhile, we're getting, you know, hot takes from, you know, Celine Dion and, you know, 
the the ghosts of you know whomever Vegas style. Wayne Newton. Wait, yeah, Wayne Newton. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, like what? You know what? What's? I mean, how, how do they how do they plan for this to be like actually about any kind of racing? I don't get it. Do you guys remember the Ferrari car launch from like three or four years ago when it was like literally in a plaza in Italy with like neon lighting on all the buildings and there was like dancers and like cello music, but like it was like techno-y cello music that almost gave me an aneurysm. And this is like taking that nightmare scenario to the next level. The thing I think that is I might actually break my TV watching this is that <clears throat> this is going to be so star-studded and so American that the F1 TV direction is going to kill me. Because instead of showing a car going 200 miles an hour down the Vegas Strip, it's going to show Jay Balvin in the Alpine garage or one of the new investors that we didn't even touch on talking to... Tread carefully, Yates. Tread carefully. One of the dumb Kansas City Chiefs Taylor Swift? How did you kind of <laughs> Mrs. Taylor or Mr. Taylor Swift in the garage being like, oh, this is a tire. Like, I don't care. Like, his opinion on anything, including football. As a sad, long, like, long, long time Raider fan, I don't care about what the Chiefs have to say about Formula One or football <laughs> or anything else. I, I, but, like, this is going to... I feel like Vegas overinvested and they're already starting to realize it. I was just actually messaging with Trevor um, on, on this. Like there's ticket packages for three days that are like 22 to 2,800 bucks, which is like reasonable quote unquote for an F1 weekend. When they first announced ticket prices, like standing room only and you don't get a view of the track was like 10 grand. And they're finally yeah. coming back down to earth. So I feel like Vegas already knows that they they you know bet on the wrong house there, and it's it's gonna be a dead race. I know I think they got a ten year contract, but I mean, shout out to Max for just destroying everybody on the track this year and really like you know putting it to the, the for Vegas promoters. <laughs> Like there's like no the odds for this race. Yeah. Like <laughs> what, what are the odds that teams actually show up? I mean, why, they don't really need to at this point. Right. Max and Max and Red Bull could just, they might be in the, in the crowd at Cirque du Soleil. They might not even need to be on the track. They might as well. I'm going to bet a dollar on Logan Sargent winning the F or the Las Vegas Grand Prix. And I'm just going to retire. That'd be amazing. Could you imagine? I'm looking up the odds right now. So you two keep making fun of my Kansas City Chiefs and Rory McIlroy and Anthony Joshua as investors of the new. Well, how did Anthony Joshua pronounce it? It wasn't Alpine. Yeah. Alpine. He's a proud owner yep. of the Alpine team. And I was like, "Yep, this is going to be a swimming endorsement." This is. We'll talk about this quickly while you look that up. I don't understand all this new celebrity investment thing. Like, from an economic level, this is happening in all kinds of sports. Yep. There's like people buying like 1% of a an NBA team or like pickleball. Um, yeah, little so Wayne. You know where those I, I tagged you in it on in the Discord. Shout out to the Discord. But it's not just like little like I 
live in the uh, Bay Area, um, for the people that don't know, and there's like a pro team here, and Jeremy Lin of Lin yeah. Sanity fame is part owner of the the pickleball team, the pro pickleball team that's from here. I, I it's all over sports, and I understand it even less in F1 because like they're not actually getting anything out of it. Like Alpine, they're French, they're gonna be middle. Middle of the road, middle of the constructors forever. That's just what they do. Unless they sign Fernando again and give him like literally half the team. I don't understand why. What is Alpine trying to get at with all this celebrity in, in investment? Oh, I think it's this. Renault doesn't want to be in Formula One. So if they sell to other backers, then they can slowly panic moonwalk out of the sport as the way they've been flirting with for the last five to ten years. I mean... Yeah, sort of, but just from my past experience, like working at StockX and, you know, having celebrity investors, you know, like we, when I was there, I was there really early. We had, you know, Drake as a celebrity investor. So like, it's less about them actually being involved in the business or interested even in the business, but they get more equity because of their celebrity clout, right? Like, you know, like you're, you're, you're going to them as, as a startup and you're saying, can you give us these numbers could be completely absurd. I'm just making them up. Could you give us a hundred thousand dollars? We're going to give you, you know, like a full percentage of equity when a full percentage of equity might be a million dollars, but you're banking on the fact that they will, you know, be involved in some sort of marketing, you know, show up for certain events, all of that stuff. I think that's what all of these sports teams and formula one specifically, I think with Alpine, like, you know, like the other piece to that is they still need to put cars on the road, you know, like they, they're still going to try to figure out how to have a business selling cars on the weekend, uh, you know, on the weekdays, I guess. And they need that kind of, they need, they're going to need spokespeople to like actually be connected to the business so that if they can lock someone into not lock them in, that sounds harsh and or deceiving or something, but like if they can bring someone in through a partnership like that and say, you have a minimal interest in Formula one, but we're going to let you become an investor. You're going to learn about the sport. You're going to learn about our business. And then when they have cars for the road, those people already have connections to the brand because think about it. Like, Look at how far Toto and, and Lewis have come with their partnership with Mercedes. You know, like I wouldn't be surprised by the time we're, you know, 70, 80 years old, that both of those guys are honestly like running the entire Mercedes business, not necessarily just the Formula One, because they have just such a deep understanding of like the partnership side of what they've been doing. They're going to be able to go negotiate more and more and more as that goes on. And I think that I think really it's also a strategic move to bring people in that could potentially go, you know, kind of the same way I was saying with Red Bull and the strategy with drivers, like go get the best people that you possibly can or the most famous or somehow, you know, people that are open to this that don't have a deal with a car manufacturer and start those relationships now, even though, you know, you're not going to see any real payoff for it for three to five years or three to five seasons, whatever that is. That's my theory on it at least speaking of investment if Todd puts one dollar on his beloved logan private he is currently seeing odds of plus 
a hundred thousand. So one dollar will get you a lot of money. It, give me a ticket to next year's race, at least that. early, at least. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> do we know if Costco is offering the Vegas package That's the way they question. did the Austin package? We should look. You know, I haven't seen anything floating around about. The ticket packages at Costco for Vegas. I guarantee, if not this year, next year will happen. They're going to be giving tickets away. Yeah, that's interesting. The, anyway, back to the, the the Alpine thing. So imagine Rohit doesn't like Formula One. Or doesn't necessarily dislike it, but I just know. doesn't like it. Would your fandom of Mr. Taylor Swift now being an investor in Alpine make you... Esty Bestie's biggest fan. It would get me curious. Uh, and then put it this way, the gateway drug is there. So if for whatever reason, you're one of the 10% of Americans that doesn't know what drive to survive is, but you know what Taylor Swift is. And now because you're a Taylor Swift fan and you've discovered the joys of American football. And in theory, you become a Travis Kelsey fan. What's next on that? subscription plan of pop culture okay let me check this formula one thing out because travis kelsey's a great dude as is taylor swift so why not esteban ocon or pierre gasly like that's all you can ask for i think it's just like i'll watch a race hey that team that travis and kind of extension taylor invested in hmm, they're pretty decent yeah i could do this around but I also think they've done this at the perfect time because there's no competition, so to speak. Like, there's nothing competitive about the sport, so there's a very low-intensity approach to watching this if you're a first-time viewer. I'm That's pulling fair. up the stats, but I, I think here, here's your answer, Todd. Uh, New Balance wore, you know, Taylor Swift wore the New Balance 550 at the Chiefs game, <laughs> and revenue for the 550 on New Balance was up 25% in the week after she wore the shoe. Units sold were up 22%. Site traffic to the New Balance 550 was up 30%. And internal searches for the 550 were up 73%. To me, that's the, that's the you know, like you don't have to convert on more than a couple of percent when you're pushing those kind of lifts to like the brand. Your hope is that like people can get, become passionate fans of the sport. You know, like it's... It's pickleball for you, man. Like you, you literally said it, you know, I think like that's, it's golf for so many people right now where like people just haven't been exposed to these sports on a, on a bigger level to understand like how enjoyable they could be. And like, we kind of saw it with formula one with drive to survive, but then formula one has fallen off over the last couple of years because obviously because, you know, the, the competition has been a little bit tough, you know, like the, I mean, there's many reasons, right? Like it just hasn't been as exciting for anyone to watch Formula One. I think for, you know, you as a longtime fan, it's become more showmanship and more about, you know, the circus around the races than the race itself, which turns a lot of people off that have been longtime fans. The Americanization of it, you know, unfortunately has pushed a lot of people away, might have brought people into it, but it's tough, you know, like. I mean, Rowett being a newer fan to Formula One, it makes me wonder, like, how many people, how many people that don't have, you know, a group of people like we do in the Discord or the three of us having these conversations regularly about the races to keep them interested in the sport when there isn't really, you know, like if you looked at like, if you looked at like football, American football, 
And like right now we're six or seven, I don't know how many weeks into the season we are, but like basically the equivalent of like, Hey, we already decided the Cowboys won the title. I'm not watching shit for the rest. I mean, I don't watch football anyway, but like, you know what I mean? Like I'm not watching any of that, but like, that's how formula one is right now to a new fan. Like, I think it kind of hampers the growth of the sport in terms of like really passionate fans. I will say this. So I was kind of looking at the different schedules. There are three schedules to consider. First, there's the actual Las Vegas GP, which per Google is scheduled for Saturday, November 18th at 10 p.m. The Chiefs play in Kansas City on the 20th. It's a home game for them. So maybe Travis Kelsey comes out. More importantly, and I'm trying to get this confirmed because I still haven't been able to do it. Taylor Swift goes on tour on November 9th. So she's not going to be there. So Put it this way, if Taylor Swift didn't have a tour and she made an appearance, that's worth his money in gold for the stats that Nick gave us. And then also the stat that kept getting beat into the ground during the first week of their dalliance between Swift and Kelsey, where apparently Taylor Swift led to an upward increase of 400% of Travis Kelsey jerseys on Fanatics and Nike.com. And that's BS because as somebody that checks Nike.com regularly for Chiefs merchandise, you just took the Travis Kelsey jersey off the site for a day because the day before you had a full size run available. Now all of a sudden you sold out over one day. I don't believe that <laughs> no matter how powerful Taylor Swift may actually be. And please, if you want to dispute my facts, you can find me on OnlyFans at R A H B E E 702. <laughs> So, so I think the question is, and the title for this episode is, can Taylor Swift save Formula One racing? Right? That's what we're getting at? <laughs> yeah. Shout out to uh, Brendan Dund for the stats on the New Balance. That just reminded me that you actually know him and he's an F1 fan. So we should have him on. Yeah. Use that yeah, connection. I'll, 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 that would be text hilarious. Um. Um. The, going back to your point, Nick, and to, to wrap this up, I I guess I understand why these celebrities are investing small percentages into these big sports franchises. It's name, it's cloud, it's whatever. But you just hit the nail on the head. Like, if you get uh, a Swifty or a, a Travis Kelsey fan out to watch, or no, stay up to watch the the whatever it is midnight race. Is it ten? Is it ten p.m. or midnight? Ten p.m. Okay, ten p.m. for us West Coasters. Ten p.m. on the West Coast, midnight on the God Server Time Zone, the Central, and do your math accordingly if you're in the Mountain and the Eastern. There you go. Um, if they're going to get them to stay up to watch this race, is the racing actually going to invite that person into? Hey, Formula One's kind of interesting. These cars go really fast. There's a lot of drama. I'll watch the next race. I, I don't see it personally. Like if, if Alpine is giving away 1% to Ryan Reynolds and Anthony Joshua and whoever the fuck chiefs person, the there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I act like I don't know. Him. Um, th- th- is it really worth it in the end? Because I don't think that there's really money changing hands. I think they're giving a celebrity endorsement and they're giving yeah. a very small fraction of the team away. They're not selling. They're not. Yeah. It's, it's, no, it's it's the Jay-Z principle, right? When he bought the Nets, everybody thought he owned the Nets. He owned 1% of the Nets. I still think it was Prokhorov that owned yeah, the but overwhelming you, majority of it. It's a nice CV item. 
it's one of those things that if I was a rich person and if next time that I'm at my Illuminati esque dinner, it's something I can flex on. And so but but that's well, the, that's the reason, right? Like if I'm a, if I'm from Brooklyn, I'm a hundred percent supporting the Nets because Jay Z is a part owner. It doesn't matter how much of a part owner. Like I support all sorts of. I I go out of my way to you know buy boba from Larry June's boba place in San Francisco or. Like I buy skate brands that used to support the like Honda race cars back in the day, still to this day, you know, like I, I'm one of those people that like, Oh, the, these people are doing cool shit and supporting the people that I like, then like, I might as well support whatever else they're doing. And I think that's becoming more and more normalized because of the internet and like social media. So you get to see these people do whatever it is. And I think like just naturally, right. Like it's, you know, like, I think, yep. I don't know if it was today or yesterday or whenever it was, but like, can we have an Oklahoma moment here? I did not know who Travis Kelsey was. I saw him on the T-Mobile commercials all the time, and I didn't know who it was. I don't watch American football hardly ever. Like, I haven't for the last four or five years since the Kaepernick stuff happened and the 49ers. You know, like, I just kind of, like, removed it from my sphere, so to speak. But... I think you posted it in the last day or two, the chef's Snickers commercial with the chiefs, right? Like the value of, of Snickers making a commercial with the chiefs directly is so much bigger than them just making a commercial on their own generically. And the more of the things that you like as a Chiefs fan or as a Travis Kelsey fan, like, you know, even if you weren't a Trav a Taylor Swift fan before, your start that starts to infiltrate your normal sphere of life with the internet. And that's the coolest thing. And the most like scary thing about the internet, I guess. But like, next thing you know, you know, like you're going to buy a pair of new balance five fifties because it matches the Ferrari and the chiefs gear that you already own. Like I asked my wife if she wanted to be Brown, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift this <laughs> Halloween and she refused, but that's okay. That's part of the fun and trying. <laughs> but I, I think that's, I think that's the most interesting thing about it is like, we're kind of opening up this new territory of like how brands can partner with people on a deeper level. Well, an era of collaboration. Yeah. I'm more likely to buy something if it's co-signing some brand or some concept that I like because it's either wrapped up in nostalgia or it's wrapped up in current excellence. But yeah, no, this is why you are the godfather, Nicholas Singleball. And I think Todd, you make a great point about Jeremy Lin and pickleball. Like I have, I haven't played pickleball. I have really no knowledge of it other than knowing that you've been into it. And like, I'm curious. So like, I want to go try and play at some point, but like now knowing that he's part team owner in this pr professional league that started up in the Bay area, I've been a fan of him since his high school days, you know, like I've seen him play in person a handful of times. Like he's just one of those people that's in the Bay area sports world, a big deal. And, you know, I think that's kind of one of those things that, you know, like I'd never really think about, Oh, I need to go support Jeremy Lin. But if you said that I'm naturally going to be more interested in looking at that team and watching and paying attention as a general sports fan. And I think that's the reason why you would have those those types of people. It's like, oh, they have enough exposure for this sport. But you see it a lot with like, you know, like football, like, you know, soccer in America. Right. Like a lot of these like these new teams that are being developed to like build out our kind of Americanized, you know, Premier League, champ Championship League, Premier League kind of structure is happening a lot. And you're seeing a lot of people's, you know, invest in 
these smaller clubs right now that we just never had as, you know, Americans 10, 20 years ago. So I think we're just going to see more and more of this in my opinion. And hopefully it doesn't get, you know, hopefully it doesn't get too crazy. And like, we see some benefits from it as fans. I would love to see that. But speaking of collaboration, it's, it's really difficult to buy Taylor Swift merch. So maybe, maybe this is a bad thing. If, if the Swifties get a hold of F1, they will ruin it. But last note, speaking of collaboration, I did see today, and I haven't been able to confirm this yet, that ASAP Rocky was named the creative director really? for Puma specifically for F1 collaborations. Is that true? Yeah, I saw that. So we're going to have to talk Chef's about that. Kiss. Please, 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 that God, bring in some cool footwear into Formula One because it's garbage now. I like put it this way. I had to be talked off the ledge because to the point of Stockholm syndrome, I kind of like the Formula One Ferrari <laughs> football jersey that they were masquerading around this weekend. And then I was just like, I can't do this. This is a bridge too far. Like it doesn't even look like a football jersey. So yeah. if Rocky can at least show them Let's what a proper so. football jersey looks like. I'm okay. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting, you know, that's also what I'm really curious how, the Americanization of the sport evolves into the fashion side of things and sneaker side of things, obviously too, but that's a, that's a long, deep conversation for me. So okay. we'll have to do that another time. Um, I think that's about it though. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever talk about Taylor Swift as much as we have tonight. So send this to your favorite Swifties and tell them to subscribe. Um, you can find me, Nick Ingvall on all the platforms under Nick Ingvall guys, where, th- where can they find you? You can find me on. Go ahead, Todd. <laughs> no, you're you were locked and loaded for the next OnlyFans occurrence. So go. Uh, you can find me as the Malhotra Magic Wiener on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Please cut that out. No, don't. Please don't. My wife told me she divorced. I will pay me. you to not. <laughs> Two dollars on Sergeant. <laughs> oh God. Uh, we missed this. Let us have this, listener. Let us have this back. Okay. Oh, you want to give your other handles or no? <laughs> yeah, you can find me on X. God, that sounds like I'm on a drug. Uh, but only hi, I get it through the Exhaust Notes podcast. But you can find me on X at Rohizi. Please join our Discord. If for no other reason, I believe one of our Discord users has told me they're compiling all the OnlyFan nicknames that I've come up with. And they're going to make an end of your video. So if that doesn't wet your whistle, I don't know what will. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, dadshoe.jpg. On Twitter, I refuse to call it X, at dadshoe underscore JPEG. Uh, most importantly, as Rowit mentioned, in the Exhaust Notes Discord, I'm going to call it now. Right on. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, tuning in, watching, wherever you're taking this in. Make sure you hit subscribe, catch the next episode. And more importantly, hit the Discord link in the description. It'll be the first link. We'll see you there. Peace.